Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Conscious Bridge Radio, the program where we explore the evolution of spirituality, politics, and culture. Now here is your host, the author of four books, including Be Yourself and Our Spiritual Evolution, Mark Gilbert. Thank you, and welcome to Conscious Bridge Radio. I'm your host, Mark Gilbert, and I'm glad you're with us today. This is the first program we've recorded after the 2016 presidential election. And today's topic is going to be tied to moving beyond that election and what's next for us. The title for the program is, What Can Trump, You, or I Do to Heal This Country? And hopefully you'll see today's program as a call to action for each of us and our new president to heal the divisiveness and the polarization that's occurring in the United States. You know, much has been uh, said and written about that in the last number of days. There's a basic acknowledgement that the country is at high levels of divisiveness. And even after the election, there's a lot of things going on that seem to be contributing to even more divisiveness among people. I hope that we're able to move beyond them. But this program today is really for what actions can we call our president to do, and more importantly, look in our own hearts and our own minds and step into the question for ourselves of uh, what's ours to do in creating an America that works for everybody, one that is peaceful and honors each other with dignity and respect. And that's really what uh, I want to see for this country. And I know most people do as well. Uh, But we sometimes throw our hands up and say, how can we get from where we are to that country that we want? And I think that each of us needs to acknowledge that it starts with our own actions our own thoughts, our own words, our own deeds. And today, hopefully, you'll get some ideas that will help uh, move us in that direction. I have to confess I was going to do this topic no matter what uh, or the outcome was from the election. Uh, even if Hillary had won, uh, we would still be looking at this issue of divisiveness. I don't think that just because we went through an election, now we've all uh, have, have come together. I think, if anything, the closeness of the election and the fact that Hillary won the popular vote and Trump won the electoral college vote just shows how divided this country is. Uh, That as well as some of the protests and uh, actions that have been coming out since the election just tends to show that this country really, really is is divided. So today we're going to really get at that topic and I'm encouraging you to um, ask the question as we go through some discussions today as to what is yours to do? What can you do that can be proactive in terms of creating this country that we all want for us? How we're going to approach it today, we got a couple of great conversations that really are going to get into that topic. The first is with a couple of my friends with whom I meet regularly for an informal mastermind group. Um, this is a monthly discussion where we get together and we talk about what we're up to, what our vision is for our life and our world, Uh, what our goals are relative to that, and then what we've been doing. Uh, 
to meet those goals. We hold each other accountable and uh, give a, uh, guidance and assistance in moving forward. It's a great group, a wise group. Uh, you might recall, uh, if you listen to this program regularly, that a couple of months ago we actually uh, had an interview and a discussion with a couple of my mastermind friends. And um, it was recorded at a, uh, a restaurant, and the sound quality wasn't too good. So for this conversation today, I invited them to, to call in and, and record it so that we've got a higher quality uh, recording. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, we're also going to have another conversation after the break. Uh, it's going to be another great one. I invited a couple of my guests from earlier this year to return and discuss the same topic of what's uh, what can Trump or us do to uh, heal the divisiveness in, in the United States. And so we'll be talking with a couple of spiritual teacher friends of mine, Gregory Toole and Barbara Bue, and I'll be uh, uh, reminding you of their bios a little later right before we listen to that. So a couple of great interviews, and again, I hope you get a lot out of this. So let's jump into the first one. Uh, and this is a discussion uh, between myself and my mastermind friends, Craig and Kumar. Okay, welcome. You know, um, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we're going to be talking this morning with a couple of my mastermind buddies. We've got Craig Lang and Kumar Dandavati on the line with us. And they, uh, you know, guys, I appreciate you taking the time. I know when I asked you the other day about sitting down and having a conversation with me about uh, what could the new president do to heal the divide in our country and what can we do to heal the divide in our country, uh, I think we had a very much different uh, idea on the outcome. And I know personally I was a little surprised by, uh, by the results. What were your guys' take on, on election night and the numbers? Well, shocking, I guess, <laughs> would, be, would, would be the way to put it for me. Uh, and um, certainly unexpected. I think very few people expected this. Yeah, I felt like I had a hangover all day yesterday uh, <laughs> from, the, from the news. <laughs> What about you, Craig? Yeah, I have to agree. It seemed the meeting we had at lunch prior to the decision, um, I realized how many of my cohorts and friends were supportive of Hillary, and including my spouse. We had done some fact-checking after the facts to realize that she still did win from a popularity numbers game, but as to our electoral um, arrangement of how the decisions are made, it didn't go in that direction. So I'm open to either way, and yet I have, like you, Kumar, a sense of a hangover going because it's on people's minds, and yet it's still somewhat questionable of getting some conversation going because there's an awful lot of pain, it seems, involved in the environment right now with our voters. You, you know, I've got to agree with you, Craig. I, I had a very similar uh, feeling of, of just down uh, yesterday. Uh, when the day after the election. And, uh, you know, I, I had posted a blog on my blog site that was about healing the divide. And I had, when I was posting it, uh, and I actually stayed up late to ensure the outcome uh, so that I could reference it, um, it really, yeah, part of me felt like maybe it was too soon, that we needed to go through the stages of grief on, on this process, for at least for many people. Although I've got some, some Trump, uh, supporter friends who are, are in a sense of elation. And uh, there was an individual I was talking with last night who said, you know, even though they, they supported Hillary, they feel like, you know, it's, it's flip-flop. The people who felt disempowered now feel empowered, and the people who felt like they were empowered, it's, it's, uh, they're on the other side of the fence now looking in and, 
and feeling like they're on the outside. Very interesting. Well, you know, along with that, it's, again, keeping focused on the big picture of what can we do to help, and I want to go help rather than just what can we do. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be active than shut down and not be vocal. Yeah, yeah. And and what is that? You, you raised a good point about the, the fact that the Hillary won the popular vote, even though Trump won the electoral vote. So what that points to is that we've got a major split in this country, a, a very, you know, it was very close. And that means you walk down the street, every two people that you see, even though we sort of self-select ourselves in the neighborhoods, but in a random sample, every two people, one of them voted for Trump, one voted for Hillary. Yeah, it was within 200,000 uh, votes difference with close to 60 million on each side. It's pretty amazing numbers. That, that is pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah. So the so question... Along with Go ahead. Mark, I would add, you know, you put out some wonderful posts this morning on your blog or your Consciousness Bridge that I really, really appreciated, and that was mainly the article on the city versus rural. Mm-hmm. And there was a gal who also made a comment in a video walking her dog as to our ability of making decisions based on video versus literature um, ways of getting information. Mm-hmm. And for our and listeners, listen. I'll, I'll post the, the links to those on the, on the website or <clears throat> the radio program. Uh, uh, Craig is referencing a, a cracked magazine of all places article on the differences between rural and urban uh, perspectives. In life. And uh, also uh, uh, Debbie Lynn Molinon on her walking her dog talks for coffee party. Um, awesome. Both of them very powerful to worthwhile to listen and read or hear, I think. Good, good. Well, you know, let, me, let me put the question out there uh, to, to both of you. You know, here we are uh, moving through a period of time where in a few months Donald Trump is going to be, um, you know, sworn in as our president. And as you look at that, what, what is it that you hope or, or desire? And if you could have a, his ear for a minute to say what you think he could do to heal the divide in this country, what would you want to tell him? Well, I've already in the last day heard anecdotally uh, concern, uh, certainly I've seen it on social media as well, concern from minorities about about what this means to them. Um, And so I I think uh, uh, having having Trump send out a clear message that he really is going to be inclusive. I think is essential. I don't, you know, uh, I don't know how uh, how uh, wired he is to really genuinely be inclusive. Uh, I do have some faith that his vice president, Mike Pence, um, is is more inclusive, uh, and and Mike Pence could be a bridge builder as well. But having both of them really send out clear messages that they are the leaders for the whole country and not just for white people, I think would be very good. That's a good point, Kumara. You know, I think he did make, listening to Trump's uh, acceptance speech, he did make the right sound bites in that area, at least as an initial first take. And I have a feeling kind of going from uh, in reverse order here that Trump could bring a form of mental unity into play, meaning as you talked to Mark of the city versus rural or a divisiveness that's going on in this country, rich or middle class and poor. But the approach areas of challenge with a sense of reward and pride from a businessman's viewpoint is possibly one of those outcomes that could come here if 
as you and I all know, working, it's fun to work when you get a reward system going, but as our country goes, it's complimentary to us as to what a great country we do live in and how far we've really come. Mm-hmm. And if some a direction goes that way, there may be some good inertia or energy, which I'm in support of, hoping those kinds of decisions and directions unfold. And mm-hmm. it's certainly going to be reflective with Pence being involved in that decision or game-making opportunity above and beyond Donald with what obviously we've seen through media exposures of how his his drama activities seem to be very questionable at times. Mm-hmm. And, and what are some of the specific things you'd think, Craig, that he could do in that, in that light? In well, the-, the employment is the first and foremost. And bringing back old school, knowing he also is the oldest president ever to be elected, mm-hmm. it's concerning to me that we, I don't think, can go back to times of what we used to have on manufacturing and production lines as we've known it. So I'm hoping he's open to knowing that there's new technology and new ways of finding opportunities for employment, but for this whole country to feel good about working again and get away from an uh, enabling society or a way of being on social funding is huge because mm-hmm. people I generally like working. They like to get up and go out and be a part of society. Yeah, And that would be tremendously rewarding as a part of getting something of having pride and enjoying what you do uh, to be compensated for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I want to add that, you know, I actually think he's going to be practical. I think what you say during an election is quite different than how you govern. Typically, you, you know, certainly in this election cycle, they've demonized each other and he doesn't need to do that anymore. And he's a businessman and he has had to be practical to get where he is as a business person. So, so I think sending out uh, messages about uh, practicality and what's workable, um, you know, uh, uh, versus things like building a wall and, and shutting out Muslims and so on, uh, I think, um, you know, li- uh, having Trump listen to uh, more reasoned voices and, and send out practical messages, uh, I think is really important. Um, as I was saying in addition, the other day at lunch, um, I I think really listening and seeking to understand uh, people who didn't vote for him, uh, I think is critically important. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of fear and and certainly anger and uh, on 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 the the side of folks who did not vote for him. So addressing that um, and quelling their fears with really sort of practical policies. I think would help a lot. You know, you know, I want to build on that idea, Kumar, because that was the same thought I had when, when I thought that Hillary was going to win. My my advice to her would have been to get out and have those listening sessions and uh, and truly understand the Trump supporters' mindset. But you know, in with Trump winning, I think there's the same thing going on that he really needs to seek first to understand, like you're you're talking about, and what that looks like. I could see a series of town meetings or. Uh, online because uh, he likes on social media. Maybe there's a social media way that he can uh, gather input from folks who are were Hillary supporters and that sort of thing so that there's a, a sense of being heard. I think if nothing else, if we're feeling we're being excluded or you're being excluded from the conversation, then you're, you're feeling distrustful. Right. Uh, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I too, asking questions and welcoming suggestions is huge in what that operation can end up becoming. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And, and perhaps one other thing you could do is, is look to have a more uh, a bipartisan uh, cabinet, look for key positions that he could put people in who maybe are, um, are Democrats and, and progressives so that there's a, a mixture of his advisors as an advisory council that includes people from all, all areas of the political spectrum. Building on that, but shifting gears a little bit here, because I'm mindful of you guys' time, is that um, I'd like to basically know uh, if there is a way that we could, um, uh, what we could do, what are the actual things that we could do uh, in order to uh, support, you know, healing this divide, we as just average citizens? Well, I I think um, absolutely we need to, change our conversation, given that we were Hillary supporters uh, before the election, uh, and really change our languaging and our conversation to be supportive of Trump and, and the new leadership. Uh, I think the way we speak about it, the way we think about it, the way we uh, send our energy, um, you know, I, th- I think is really important. So I think changing our languaging is certainly one thing. Uh, absolutely praying for the success and and um, uh, guidance and inspiration uh, for for Trump and his and his cohorts, I think is essentially important. Uh, praying uh, ongoing that they're guided and 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 um, inspired to to make um, good good decisions, uh, divinely inspired decisions. I think I think is really important. So those are a couple of things that come to mind right away. Mm-hmm. Good, good. What about you, Craig? Yeah, I completely agree with that, Kumar. I, I really respect you and having that as an initial reaction, but I question the actual capability of most people, being that we are practicers of uh, being practitioners. We do come from love, and we have affirmations as an approach to reactionary situations versus coming from the heart. And that's really the bigger idea if we can keep that in mind with how we work through these things because the divisiveness is what really is what's in challenge here or in question. As seeing some of the highlights on news, which I haven't watched much of at all, but apparently there were some riots and some old school um, racism type issues showing up again. And I don't know that that's different from past elections. But I'm not very exposed to the media at this time, just intentionally, just to not get clouded in my thinking, to mirror and and agree with you, Kumar, as to how to welcome the change with some love approach rather than one of defiance or disappointment, I guess. And I think we we can, in our circles, our family, our friends, our business circles, really speak in those ways and encourage people to speak in those ways so we can have that impact uh, in, in, in the people that we touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hearing a couple of things in what you guys are talking about. One one is tapping into your faith, whatever it might be, uh, to see how it guides you for uh, an inclusive mindset. And then the, the practical piece is looking for ways to say and speak in a manner that honors all people. Uh, whether you are faith-based or not, I mean, you can find ways that say, I'm going to honor and respect you. So instead of, you know, checking your speech, you know, making that little uh, 
I loved how Stephen Covey used to put it. He said, instead of immediately reacting, put it, building in a little pause. And if you catch yourself about to say something negative, stop and reframe what you're going to say and say it in a way that honors the other viewpoint. So you start modeling that, and that. But you know, we all, but but we self-select into people who are like-minded. And so if we're if we're Hillary supporters, we're going to be might be around a lot of Hillary people. They might be you know, mine, uh, starting down the path of uh, bad-mouthing Trump. And that's where we've got to find, a, and, and vice versa, for those listeners who might be Trump supporters and, and finding themselves with Hillary bashers, is finding a way to shift that conversation to say, okay, I understand that's how you felt, but, you know, really Americans first, and how can we move beyond the election and the divisiveness and find a solution that work, that works for everybody in this moment? So a lot of it is is the practical piece of speaking in a, in a way that's proactively inclusive and then kindly redirecting conversations if we can, or at least not feeding into the negativity if others around us are doing it. Right. I mean, one way I look at it is, you know, really first starting with reality. We've got the results we've got. We may not like it, but this is reality. So given that this is reality, how do we make the best of it? How do we, uh, how do we support the leadership? How do we honor other viewpoints? Uh, how do we send, you know, um, good, good energy to, to the new leadership and, and support their success? If everybody did that throughout this country, the leadership, uh, you know, has to succeed. So, so I think being in touch with reality and having a positive vision for what this administration could do. Let me give you an example. I actually think Trump will be better at dealing with Russia than Hillary might have been because there is not an automatically adversarial entrenched viewpoint about Russia that Trump has. And so, you know, let's build on that and say, okay, maybe he'll be better at some things than, than the entrenched establishment might have been. Uh, and, and really imagining that, visualizing that, supporting that, uh, you know. So, so that's an example of how, how to build on, on, our, uh, on the new leadership. You're very good. You know, and another point that it thought to me is if you're, if you're a Hillary supporter looking at Trump, there's a lot of Trump's policies which really were progressive. They weren't uh, strict conservative uh, viewpoints. Exactly. And yep. there's ways in which we can look to focus on the, the areas where his policies are in alignment with us. But I think the overall thing that I heard you saying, Kumar, which I totally agree with, is looking for and supporting him and knowing that he's guided to do the best for the country and that we're going right. to go in with an open mind and, and prayer and whatever that looks like in our own form or fashion to support the highest good for our country working through him. Uh, as somebody on a phone call I was on last night said, I'm going to support him. Uh, and but you know, and and uh, want the best for him, but verify, verify that he's following through on that as well. So, and I think that's a you know, that's how you earn trust is is by allowing somebody to see how trustworthy they're going to be. Any right. any final thoughts from you guys before we we wrap up the conversation? I personally am sitting here affirmatively shaking my head up and down in a positive fashion, hearing you guys speak knowing how blessed and fortunate I am to be in your company. And you're hitting on all cylinders to what we as little light keepers can be or lighthouses in making a difference by walking our talk and not being straight or 
taken in by the drama side of things here because it's very easy to default back to that. Yeah. And Kumar, you shared something at lunch the other day that I truly love, and it had to do with our unique abilities. Right. Maybe Trump's got something there, and especially if he has any passion towards that, this could be a pretty exciting time. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. is an end result that's shocking the world to saying, oh, my God, we not any of our past people that have been considered total wackos are brilliant geniuses. And I would use um, Howard Hughes as an example. They get to almost become freakish in their latter years of life. But realistically, there's maybe a whole lot of talent here that if they have that skill or unique abilities with some passion, we have a brilliant thing of future opportunities coming our way. Well, and, and really, again, Bill, uh, you know, focus on Trump's strengths. I mean, he questions the status quo, which is a very good thing. He questions entrenched interests, which is a very good thing. He, uh, he questions, you know, uh, America's caretaker role in the world, I think, which is a very good thing. Why is that our job? So, so I think looking, um, looking with a, a positive perspective, on, on questioning the status quo that Nadi brings to the table, um, you know, let's support him in that. You know, let's have checks and balances and, and speak up if we think he's not doing something that's, that, that's good, but, but really support him uh, in, in, in the ways that, that we can. Very good. Very well stated. Well, Craig and Kumar, I want to thank you for taking some time to be on uh, Conscious Bridge Radio w- with me and, uh, and discussing this. And I appreciate your viewpoints and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. So thank you very much today. Well, thank you, Mark. Yeah. Okay. All right. Have a Bye-bye. great day. So I hope you benefited from that conversation. We're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we're going to hear another conversation between myself and a couple of my spiritual teacher friends. So, stay tuned. Hi, this is Debbie Lynn Molyneux, President of Coffee Party USA. I hope you're enjoying this program, which is part of the Coffee Party's radio network of shows. Have you ever wondered exactly what is the coffee party? Well, have you ever brought up the subject of politics and watched as people roll their eyes? Well, Coffee Party is an all-volunteer nonprofit to encourage respectful conversation around politics. We want people to connect with each other in a more meaningful way. Coffee Party supports reforms of our electoral, campaign finance, government accountability, and tax systems. We also promote cultural changes to address political disengagement, polarization, and misinformation. Won't you come join us? Check out our website and find out how you can get involved as a member and a volunteer of Coffee Party USA today. Help bring civility and reason back to our political process. Go to coffeepartyusa.com to find out more. That's coffeepartyusa.com. Thank you. Hi, Mark Gilbert again. I hope you're enjoying this radio program. I invite you to also check out the Conscious Bridge website at www.consciousbridge.com or see the link on the radio program's website. There I've been sharing my exploration of the evolution of spirituality, politics, and culture for the past six years. You'll find descriptions and links of all four of my books, as well as years of articles, free audios, videos, listings and links to numerous resources, and be sure and sign up for my newsletter as well. If you do, you'll get a free gift from me. All of this and a whole lot more at ConsciousBridge.com.
Now back to our program. Welcome back to the program. Hope you're enjoying it. Today we're exploring the topic, what can Trump, you or I, do to heal this country? Really getting into the issue of how divided we are and that we all play a role in healing that divide. So, hopefully you're getting some good ideas, and I uh, I want to jump right into our second conversation for today. I've invited back a couple of guests, Gregory Toole and Barbara Bue, good friends of mine. All three of us are ministers with the New Thought Organization Centers for Spiritual Living, but we're out in the world doing our own and different and unique things. Uh, Gregory is the spiritual leader for Samseva. His website link is on the radio program's uh, website. Uh, Samseva is a organization that Gregory teaches spiritual classes, both online and in person, and also is uh, travels around teaching classes and writes a blog through that website. He's also the author of a book entitled A Simple Guide to Planetary Transformation, an excellent short little book I encourage you to check out. Barbara is the co-leader of the largest New Thought Spiritual Center in Northern Colorado. It's entitled New Thought NoCo Center for Spiritual Living, with NoCo standing for Northern Colorado. Uh, they're located in Loveland, Colorado, and they serve Loveland, Greeley, Fort Collins, and the entire Northern Colorado area. Uh, Gregory and Barbara have been longtime friends of mine, and like I said, uh, we have an omnibus program previously. So let's jump right into the conversation. All right, and uh, welcome again to the program, Gregory Toole and Barbara Bue. Barb and, and Gregory, uh, uh, thank you so much for being with us again. For those of you who haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to go back to a program that we, the three of us did together about uh, seeing the world as sacred, uh, recorded earlier this year and as part of the archives. But uh, today they're part of this larger program where we're exploring the issue of healing the country, healing the divide, the you know, we had a very close election this past week. Uh, uh, the results were surprising to many of us. And it, but one of the things I think that came out of that, and I already knew it going into it, is just the successive uh, divisiveness that's going on in the United States. And uh, so the whole theme of today's program, uh, uh, Gregory and Barb, is the, is the topic of uh, what can uh, our incoming President Trump do to heal this divisiveness, and also what is it that you and I and everyone who's listening to this can be called to do to be a force for positive change and breaking down some of the uh, strong emotions, even the emotions that we're seeing in this moment a few days after the election uh, with people who are having to spill out on the streets and express their their uh, dismay over the results of the election. So that's the topic before us. And I just opened the floor for you guys thoughts in terms of this subject. There's a lot of things that he could do. And I think, you know, he ran as a Republican, but he's certainly not a traditional Republican. So he could do not traditional things. Like he could uh, reach across the aisle and put people in his cabinet who are not Republican or, who are more progressive or more centrist even and instead of flanking to the far right. You know, I think one of the things I keep noticing about elections is they're very, they've been very close for the last, the last four really have been really close for the most part. And then whoever wins pretends like they won a mandate of some, some kind. 
and this election, especially again, you know, Hillary won the popular vote and yes, he won the electoral college, but he didn't win. Nobody's really winning anymore. And we're not going to win until we reach into the middle and start to get along again. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that, I think that a lot of people are looking for an example of reaching across and getting things done and moving in a way that is supportive of the entire country and not just one side of the country. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good point. Gregory, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love what Barbara is saying. And um, uh, the first place I want to go is um, our own uh, healing. And um, one of the things that I found myself saying to a few people who were really concerned about what Donald Trump would do, I found myself saying, well, he's not the devil. (laughs) Um, And then I had to turn that back to myself because um, I did not vote for Trump. And I did find myself leading up to the election uh, really casting him as uh, this pariah, this, this terrible uh, being, uh, really, that was not divine uh, and was not, you know, in alignment with my um, belief that we're all divine and that we're all unique manifestations of, of the one. And so the first thing for me is, is to begin opening up to embracing what he might be able to offer and of course, uh, he is in a position to demonstrate uh, that he is going to be a bridge, that he is going to be a president of all people. Uh, but for me, it was moving to uh, opening up to the possibility of the good that could come about through this. And uh, I wrote my most recent blog was about the symbolism of uh, Trump and, Ber- and Bernie Sanders around their, you know, people really clamoring for major change and that, that the, the victory is really symbolic of people wanting major change more so than that they want specifically what uh, he was promising. And I didn't realize how, how prophetic that blog was going to be in terms of uh, I still expected that uh, Hillary was going to win, but uh, I think what I wrote was right on in terms of that is the sentiment of the country that people are really ripe for change. And, you know, I think what uh, Donald Trump can do similar to what Barbara said is really uh, begin to reach out, begin to reach across the aisle, begin to reach out to people, begin to recognize that this is what people want is, is they want something different. They don't want him to come in and suddenly sway things all in one direction. Uh, they want him to come in and, and be the catalyst for the kind of change uh, that's needed to lift us all up. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are excellent points, Gregory. I, I, uh, I got to say that I got to a lot of demonization of, uh, of Trump as the, as the process went along, even though there were many times I would be listening to him and there were political positions he was putting out that were in alignment with my thinking, but I could not, and I would acknowledge that to my wife. I would say, well, I agree with that point, but I would quickly sort of like set that aside to go back to my concern that uh, all of his other actions and the things that he was holding up as uh, his moral compass 
to the world and, and how that would be viewed as a, uh, an example to people, including, you know, young girls in this country, you know, outweighed the things that I saw that were in agreement with them. So now I'm having to go through this process of saying, okay, there were a lot of people who were able to set that and compartmentalize that aside because I know they had the same issues I did and still vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, in this moment, need to say, okay, I need to sway and support the decision of, of our government and our, our, our process and look for it. Uh, but the other thing that's occurring to me is that, you know, uh, and there's this little bit of, and I know other people have voiced this, eight years ago there was this great hope that when, uh, when Obama came into the presidency that he, he did have a fairly large mandate, but one of the people who, or some of the people who did not uh, support him uh, on, the, on the right side of the political spectrum, uh, you know, we can look back and, and there's plenty of evidence to show that they became very obstructionist in seeking unity. And there's that little part of us that that says, okay, I almost want to play the revenge card here. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, and, and do the same thing back. Let's sit on a Supreme Court hearing for, uh, you know, four years and see what happens. You know, I kind of, that's sort of like tit for tat kind of process. And then I have, and I have to say, well, okay, in spite of those feelings, is that the best for everyone? Is that the best for me? Is that the best for my, for my country? And I have to come to a healing and sense that it's not the best for the greatest good. I saw that play out in what happened eight years ago. It, was, it did not serve our country for that divisive, uh, rebellious streak that came up on the right-hand side. And how can I now not do that, not be a force for saying we're going to hold up everything uh, Republicans do because they now control all three branches of uh, government. But at the same time, not capitulate. I mean, there's a fun, I don't know, you know, I've, I've been struggling with that same thing, honestly. Like I've been, you know, it's the progressives who always give in and who always, who are always the unifiers and the people who are willing to reach to the middle. And, and if you read even psychology, like it's part of our personality profile in a way. Like we're the ones who are going to try to reach consensus, and is the, and and sometimes I think maybe too much. I don't I don't know. I'm really sitting in that question. And today, as I you know read the news and see the the um, behavior that's going on out there around the results of the election, uh, and you know Muslims being targeted, Hispanic people being targeted already. Uh, you know, the hate speech that's come up. I think the first thing that Donald Trump needs to do is get in front of a microphone today and say, Hey, wait a minute. That's not what this was about, you know, and that's not who we are Mm -hmm. and and lead from a place of unity around this country. And if he's going to be that guy, you know, and he he said he was going to be that guy. So I think if he's going to be that guy, he's got to start being that guy today. And I think that what he does has to dictate some of how the progressives respond. You know, I mean, if he's really going to reach across, if he's really going to try to unify and get things done, then we work with them, of course. But but we're not. I'm not going to work with him to repeal my own rights as a gay person. You know, and Mike Pence yesterday stood in front of a group of people and said, that's the first thing on their agenda. You know, so if I don't know, I'm really I'm really in that question of 
uh, I want to be a unifier and I want to say, okay, here we go. We got, we, he got elected. We got to work with it. And then there's a part of me that's like, we can't take apart everything that's been done in the last 20 years to move people forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've looked at a similar thing that looked at the levels from spiral dynamic standpoint. And I think that the, uh, the, the progressive liberal side of, uh, of our political spectrum tends to sway into like the green and integral levels where they are uh, about inclusive uh, inclusiveness. And I think that that was what Obama tried to do from that standpoint eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And we would hope that Trump would have a degree of inclusiveness and higher thinking on the spectrum, but the, the, the right side tends to skew more towards black and white, uh, uh, you know, red, blue, and orange levels on, on the spiral. Uh, and it, it, it tends to have a less inclusive viewpoint. It's our way. It's, it's seen it as competition rather than cooperation. So that's why there's, uh, you know, a sense by a lot of uh, progressives that they don't expect Donald to tr- to uh, take a lot of steps to try to include people from the other side of the of the equation in his in his cabinet. And a lot of people have pointed out that one of the the things that occurred in this election, obviously, was the Republican appointment by Obama of the FBI director, who made a you know actions towards the end of the election, Comey, that uh, you know everybody can point to as a potential. Uh, a changing effect in the, in the outcomes of, of the election. Mm-hmm. So maybe it came back to bite us by being inclusive because we t- took that stance. Yet there's that part of us that says we need to want to include because we really are about moving to that higher step in our evolution. That's all about recognizing that we're all one and that we want to move to that place of unity. Uh, but we want to do so in a sense that has healthy, healthy boundaries and borders as well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's very say? interesting. Um, uh, that definitely fits me, <laughs> uh, what Barbara and you just described in terms of being the one who's willing to, to you know, acknowledge the other party and include the other party. And what comes to me is that if that is our profile and that is who we are, then we are the only ones who really can do that. <laughs> you know, that if it's not us who's going to reach across and be inclusive, then it's just not going to happen at all. And then we would be what you were saying earlier, Mark, in terms of we would be right into tit for tat. We would be right into uh, division. So the question for me becomes, how do we do that in the most empowered way? So we're not reaching across as a doormat. uh, or We're not reaching across as capitulation. We're reaching across from an empowered place, from a place of love, from a place of embracing that other party, because really what I see goes on, and I love how you're describing it in spiral dynamics terms, uh, Mark, uh, really what goes on is that we really do uh, see our own opinion as right. So each, each, even, even on the liberal progressive side, uh, even as we're reaching across, we still see our opinion as right. <laughs> we think this, it's, this is my opinion and therefore it is right. And until we can get to the point where it's just, this is my opinion, but that doesn't make it right. Uh, and that's, I think, what we can use our empowered inclusiveness to do is to begin to engage in, yes, your value is important. Like your, your view is important. What you're bringing to the table has value. And I need to listen to that. And I need for you to hear what I'm bringing to the table because it has value as well. But we have to shine that light 
uh, or it won't be shown at all, and we will just stay uh, in division. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Barbara, you were going to say something. Well, you know, I just keep thinking at some point in, in all of it, there has to stop being sides. And, and I know that we're not there yet. You know, I mean, I've been working with that within my own community. You know, there has to stop being sides. There has to be a what, what is our vision and, and what's the best way to move towards that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and until we can unify around a vision of some sort, whatever that might be, I think, I think then there's sides and, and then we're always going to be having this thing. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I don't know. I keep thinking at some point we get less attached to our side and more attached to how do we move forward in the best way possible for the most people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that uh, what Gregory said is key here that we, you know, we really want to be the ones because even if the other side isn't going to be the one to open the door to the inclusive and, and take the opinion of everybody. And they, they may look at it, like you said, Barbara, that they have this mandate when they don't and they try to make massive changes that are not in alignment with the other half of the country who has favored a more progressive stance. Uh, we have to be the ones that say, no, wait a minute, stop, time out. I was on a call uh, on Wednesday night with some folks from the coffee party. And we were talking about this. And one of my buddies there was, was saying that he's going to give, you know, President Trump the benefit of the doubt, but he's going to verify, was his words, you know, trust and verify. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's going to be, we'll support where we can, and then we'll hold up our hands and say, wait a minute, this doesn't work for me when it doesn't. And I think that you're, we're going to see a much more, hopefully a much more engaged uh, progressive side of the equation who will feel called to stop some of the, the things that might be rolling back rights that we think are important for every person uh, on this planet. You know, one, one thing that's occurred to me, too, in the last few days is that earlier this year, I interviewed Don Beck, who was one of the co-authors of Spiral Dynamics, and I, I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that interview recently. I might do that because I remember he shocked me in that call because he he was saying in there that Donald Trump was a fairly well uh, up the spiral in spiral dynamics terms, that he knew how to navigate the spiral. And that one of the things he did really well was to speak the language and the messages that address the needs of people at the quote-unquote, lower levels of the spiral, which we can look at from a standpoint of, let's say, the working white class, the rural people. He spoke their message that spoke to their needs where the more progressive liberal media and the Democratic Party and the message of Hillary didn't speak to it. I would say that the message of Bernie spoke to them closer, which was why there was a lot of people who, who heard in Bernie and, and left Bernie and went to Trump because they felt like he was speaking to their needs. But, but Don Beck's point was that Trump could speak that message to get them on board with him, but he also had the, the ability to navigate through the different levels of the spiral, and he saw a higher, a higher vision here. So he might not be the, um, at least on economic issues, he might not be uh, quite as, as conservative as, as we might fear. Uh, however, some of his messages on some social uh, issues or or my concern, I was expressing to some other people, is that in terms of now the reality of navigating through D.C., you've got to work with a Congress who has a difference of opinion on, maybe on some of these social uh, issues. 
and maybe to get through his idea on, say, trade agreements, he might have to back up a little bit on some of the socially progressive issue like same-sex marriage and things of that nature. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays, plays his cards in terms of getting what he wants, satisfying his base, moving us to a higher level, and not capitulating all of the changes that we think have, have been important, changes in the last 10 years. Well, you know, what's interesting to me, too, is that I know quite a few people who vote, who, who are Republicans, and, I, and they didn't all vote for Trump. They didn't vote for Hillary either. But they don't want all the social progress to go away either. They hmm. think that the Republican Party is more fiscally conservative, which is something we could argue for days. But, but they're not looking for that. And I think that that's true of a lot of Republicans. I think that there's probably 10 or 20% of them who are the evangelical base who want to roll those things back, but the rest don't. Mm -hmm. So if you were really going to speak to the majority of the United States, I would say that it's about leaving social progress alone and letting it be and, and working on getting people back to work. Yeah. We're raising the economic possibilities for people who've been sort of stranded by the changes in the economy. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting point is that maybe where we can be a force for good is when we're watching Trump, we look at where he might, if there's any changes to the social progress that's been made, we raise our hand and protest that, but we, we get on board and help support any economic changes that we feel are critical for raising standard of living and hearing the voices of, of especially rural and, and working class uh, people who felt like their voices have been disempowered. Gregory, get in here. I wanted to speak, Mark, to what you were saying about that uh, Trump and Bernie really spoke to um, the language of people and spoke to their concerns. Um, and I, I think his, I think Trump's bluntness around some of those things uh, really spoke to uh, what were real concerns, even though the way he spoke to them uh, may not have been the best thing. Like when he talks, talked about banning Muslims from the country, I, I know that that probably spoke to people from the point of view of, of their safety concerns. Like, I want to feel safe and no one else is saying anything. Like here uh, is a perceived group of people that is perceived threat, uh, even though if you really weed that out, uh, Muslims themselves are not a threat to us. You know, not, not people of that religion are not a threat to us. But um, from an emotional point of view, uh, the face that people see of uh, ISIS or these others are Muslim. And so to them, it's like, who's going to do something about this? And so I guess where I go with that is, and, and, and Trump even backed off a little bit uh, toward the end of the campaign on that to say that we're really going to screen people really well who come into this country. So my, my hope is that um, he finds a way to address the concerns of the people, uh, but not in the radical ways and the rhetoric that he was putting forth in the campaign, or, or if you look at building the wall, uh, you know, along the Mexican border, um, you know, that one's an interesting one because that one is such an emotional uh, charge as opposed to a actual reality <laughs> uh, because Mexicans are leaving the country in greater numbers than they're coming in. 
And mm-hmm. so, but, but it still spoke, I think, to people's feeling that there's something responsible for the fact that their jobs are going away and it must be people coming across the border. And, but the real concern was who's going to protect my jobs? Like who's, who's going to make sure that there are jobs there? So I think if we can look at like the concern, the real concerns that he was addressing, that he was speaking to and see if we can listen to that. Right. Because like you said, he was really speaking to concerns that others really weren't speaking to and work at that level, which to me is the level of values, right? What we value, we value our, our safety and our well-being. We value our freedom. We value, uh, you know, a strong economy. Now let's look at what solutions accomplish that. And that's a place of commonality. None of us would disagree that we should keep our people safe. None of us would disagree that, that our economy uh, needs to be strong. So those are places where we say, yes, we agree on all of that. Now let's talk about how we can accomplish that. So it's a place of agreement already right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we can all, as you say, agree on that. I think the, one of the issues is that sometimes the, uh, the liberal side of the Democratic Party was coming from a standpoint of, well, we've already met Maslow's lower hierarchical needs. We're focusing on these, these high up, you know, highfalutin, you know, self-esteem and self-actualization kind of thing. They don't say it in those terms, but what they're pointing to are higher needs where people are going, what the hell are they talking about? We need jobs. We need safe borders. They're down in that safety security, uh, you know, and, 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 and also just meeting basic needs. And when, when people have their basic needs met and they're focusing on higher things, their message is, is not to that. And I think that's the wisdom that both Bernie and uh, and Trump brought is they spoke to those people who were who were living in fear and living in in a state of we need to have these needs met. Let's put let's repeal or get rid of these trade agreements. Let's stop the TPP. Let's bring jobs back to America. Let's build borders. All of that speaks to that uh, to that mindset. The, the only difficulty, of course, is then people who are higher up and they look at it, they they see oh. Well, he's also saying things so specifically that he sounds almost, you know, authoritarian and uh, is going to bring about, uh, you know, a, a style of, of influence in our government that's going to take away basic rights. And, you know, they start getting fearful on that side of the equation. But I love what you're saying is that let's start from the standpoint of we all want to have these needs met. We all want to have safety, security, jobs, good education, safe place to live. You know, so that law and order message that he was giving really spoke to people uh, at, at that their level. And I think we all want that. But some people tend to forget that that's that people are focused on that because we're focused on other things. We think that's almost a given for us. You know, and I think we got to recognize there's a large segment of this population. That's not a given. And we got to address that or they're never going to be looking at, you know, things that, that we may think are more important because we have those needs met. Well, I think this is this is one of the first times in our history, in a way, that that any generation, and I think that it's the you know thirty to fifty year old area that don't feel up. They don't feel like it's getting like they're doing better than their dad, you know, or even as well as. And there's, um, I, I, I was listening to a, a an interview on NPR a guy that traveled around to the, to the South over this last year talking to people. And, and they played a clip of, a, of someone he spoke to about how there's, there's no, 
like these guys are going to work, but there's no pride in it anymore. They're going to work to slug boxes at Walmart. They're not, there's no pride in that. And I, so I think there's a sense of, and, and this sounds, you know, I'm standing out here in my nice world to talk, trying to talk to this, but you know, there's a, a sense of lack of pride and lack of progress. And I'm not doing better by my kids than my dad did for me. And I think, you know, we raise, we, we raise men in a way that, that that is very, that's, that's very hurtful, you know, and they take it personally and, and they're mad about it. Yeah. There's a degree of frustration. And when you're, when you're frustrated and you feel like you've got no, nowhere to turn and nobody's listening to you, you want to strike, strike out. Yeah. And I think that as one political pundit I was listening to the other night said, it was like we threw a hand grenade into our political system out of frustration. And, you know, in a sense, that's what's happened is that. uh, And maybe it needs, I don't know. I keep leaning back into maybe it just needs to blow up. I mean, really, maybe we needed to blow up a little bit to come back together in a real way, Mm -hmm. you know, with real people at the table talking to each other. It's like in our individual lives, we sometimes have to go through a dark night of the soul and, and, and go through some heavy shit before we can, you know, actually face the, you know, what the issues are that, that are going on in our life and to actually truly heal them. And maybe this is one of those, one of those moments that we're called as a country to, to really do some self-reflection on are we, have we created a country that really works for everybody or is right. it only working for the people on the coast? And I, cities. And I think, I just hope we can do it without violence. You know, I mean, every democracy has had a revolution at some point in its history and we're really young. You know, if you look at European history and all that, we're a very young democracy still. And, and we've let, we've allowed this um, gap in incomes to happen. And that has to shift as part of this whole equation because that never works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but most of those revolutions have been violent, and I keep hoping that we can avoid them. Very true. You know, this has been a, a great conversation. I'm, I'm going to bring us to the to the final wrap up. And what I'd like to put it out there is is you know bringing it back to you. And I know we're all uh, keep our eyes and ears and, and minds focused on our spiritual unity uh, and and the whole thrust of this conversation. Even though we've gotten into some political issues and things that we're, we're dealing with in the world of form that, you know, I'd like to bring it back to, you know, the message we'd want to give Trump or the message we'd like to give anybody as they're going, as we all are going through these changes in our country, what is the, what is the action that we're all called to in this moment that would really bring us to, to unity? And, uh, you know, let's, let's look at it from that standpoint as maybe our, our, our last few minutes in this discussion and bring it back to that range. Gregory, what's sitting with you in this moment? Well, you know, I, I think it comes back to that we are uh, truly all one and connected, and our destinies are intertwined with one another. That really is the truth. That really is the reality. And, um, you know, Donald Trump is, um, he's been the one who's been elected by the people right now. And, um one of the things that came to me around that was, you know, how elated I was, uh, you know, with my choice of candidate winning the last two elections and how um, hurt a lot of other people were in, in that experience, how that was not their choice and how they did not feel 
that that was a good choice for the country. And so, you know, now I get to be, uh, you know, a big boy in democracy <laughs> and say that, you know, I'm not going to always have my choice. And the people have spoken. Um, and, you know, he is uh, the choice of the people. And now how can, you know, we come back to that really we're not separate. We're not a separate people. We're not a divided people. Uh, even the divisions that seem to come about in the election, let's realize that elections are very heated events. Elections are very emotionally charged events. And let's, you know, put that behind us and not assume that we're going forward in the same way that the election took place. Uh, even I, I thought that Trump's uh, acceptance speech was really good. I thought he struck uh, the perfect tone. And I'm really hopeful that, uh, that this is a time for us to come together, that this is a time for us to embrace the aspect of what the people have spoken and to, to, to really embrace that at a level, as I said earlier, of values and really embrace that um, there is something divinely perfect that is always unfolding. And it especially is difficult when it looks totally different than what we think it ought to look like. <laughs> and that's the case for a lot of people right now. But to know the greater truth that something really good is happening here and yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Something really good is happening, and let's get on that uh, wave and see what we can contribute to to what good is really trying to happen here for us. Very good. Well stated. And, and you, Barb? You know, I, I, I'm with Gregory on all of that. I think, I think if, I, if I had a, a wish that I could implant into Donald Trump's mind, it would be, to remember that he is the president of all of us, not just the president of the people that voted for him. That, and, and I think that, and, and, you know, we keep forgetting that part. And, and so he's, he's a New Yorker, and he's been surrounded his whole life by lots of cultures and people, and, and I hope that he actually brings that to D.C. and 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 works from a and can work from a place of of creating something that's working for all of us, um, and and that would be really different. And I think I think as the outsider to the political system, he could actually upset all of that structure that is holding everybody in such rigid places that they can't can't move and breathe together, you know, and, and what, and I just, I just wanted to get everybody to breathe together for a minute, which seems really woo woo. I know, but, but honestly, like we really all need to take a breath right now and, and settle down and, and see what's going to work for people and hear the people in the middle and hear the people who are hurting and hear the people who are not hurting and, and want the world to progress. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, I, I would add to both of your comments that, you know, that I would love that every person uh, also remember that Trump is a president of all the people, that the election was a process we went through, as Gregory said, mm -hmm. now it's time to not, we, we can celebrate if our candidate won, we can feel the pain that our candidate lost, and we know that 
feeling of both from our prior elections, as Gregory stated. Yeah. But now let's move. Let's also never lose sight of the fact that we're Americans first and we're humans first, having moving through this this life experience, and that we all want the same things. We want you know jobs and security and basic needs met, and we all want the ability to thrive on this planet. And I think that the more each of us recognize that every human we look at, and and it's an interesting thing if you're walking the streets. Every two people, one of them voted probably for Trump, one for Hillary. You, uh, you've got to, everybody you're interacting with, even though we put ourselves in our self-selected bubbles from time to time in most of our lives. Um, but out in, out in public, you're, you're interacting with people who don't necessarily and did not necessarily see this election politically as you did, yet they want the same thing that you did. And can we focus on that rather than the divisiveness? And can we let go of looking at our differences and instead focusing on our unity? Right, right. And can he govern from a, a remembering that half of the country was looking for something different and, and, recon- and trying to reconcile with that half as well? Yeah, yeah. Any, any final words as we wrap up today? Anything, Gregory? Uh, well, gosh, you know, I always, <laughs> being the idealist I am, I um for one, I really like change, and I think since change is the only constant uh, in life, uh, that's something great for us all uh, to embrace. And so I, I, I can even get excited about uh, what kinds of changes might be possible, as Barbara said, with someone who is an outsider, uh, who is also not so beholden as most politicians are. For one, he's wealthy. Uh, for two, he really didn't win because the Republican Party got him in there. <laughs> he, he won in spite of the Republican Party, you know. And so he really is, in a way, um, more uh, the president of the people than any other president in recent times in the sense that he got in uh, bucking all the traditional systems. And so um, my final word is really um, – Let's, let's get excited about the possibility here rather than get depressed about, you know, our fears of what might happen. And let's put that energy into seeing if we can use, ride this wave for some really good change to come about. Very well stated. And you, Barb? The same. You know, I, I, I keep coming this week back to if I believe that, that the universe is about upward and outward expansion of consciousness – then I, if I really believe that, I have to believe that about this also. And if I apply my, what I really believe to this, to what's happening now, then I have to believe that greater unity and, and greater love and greater peace are what will continue to transpire at some point. And, and, and this is one of those times where I just have to trust that in the looking back, I will understand it more than I am, than I understand it right now. And, you know, and that's always true. It's almost always true. You know, if I could look ahead 10 years and look backwards, I, I, it would all probably make sense. So, you know, I just think love wins. Love has to win. And, and, uh, and I, I have to stay in that. Good reminders for both of you today. I want to thank you for uh, taking some time out of your schedule again to be with me today and be on the program. And thanks, as always, for your your wonderful wisdom. You've helped me uh, this day in processing this as well. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Barbara. Wonderful uh, time with you all.
Okay. You, you too, Gregory. Okay, thank you. Talk to you later. Well, that concludes the two recorded conversations, and we're coming to the end of the program. But in conclusion, I really am inviting you, the listener, to consider what you've heard today, take it into your own life and your own thoughts and words, and consider how you might be a force for change. I believe all of us want to see a world that works for everyone, a world where everybody is treated with dignity and respect, and certainly we want to be that example through the United States. So what is yours to do? I'll leave you with that question. Thanks for listening today, and until next time, this is Mark Gilbert signing off for Conscious Bridge Radio. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.